Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Well, it was fun while it lasted. again and he's got it Gavin was closing in oh Gavin has scored Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not to three hello Cobblers fans well Cheltenham ruined our dreams four more youth players were offered professional contracts people went into meltdown over the club accounts for the end of last year and the big news, James Arthur is the latest celebrity to sign up for the charity football match in aid of Archie's army. Neil's here. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Keep that in. Daddy's there. I'm there. I'm here as well. And I'm Charles. Welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me. First things first, let's go over these club accounts, shall we? They've caused a bit of a stir. Oh, you, you, know how to, you know how to start the podcast with oh. um, an exciting issue, don't you, Charles? Don't we? Well, all the fans are talking about it, Danny. I can't help it. They were released for the financial year ending the 30th of June 2018 and posted on Twitter for all to see by at the price of football. Thanks to that person. Even the supporters' trust have got involved by reposting one of the screenshots to their Facebook page and stating... The club's auditors say financial statements indicate the existence of material uncertainty which may cast significant doubt about the company's ability to to continue as a going concern. The club accounts are available to see on the company's house website and show that we finished the last financial year in the red by £2.4 million. It's a lot of money, isn't it? It it is a lot of money. It is a lot of money, Charles. You've got a spare £2.4 million just... I don't know, down the back of your sofa, Danny? I don't, um, unfortunately, no. Um, no, it's, it's a lot of money, isn't it? But I don't know, how that, how does that compare with the rest of League Two? I'm sure you can tell us that, Charles. Let's just put this into context. The, the fact is, a lot of, a lot of people, and, and I won't say the whole fan base or anything silly like that, but a lot of people have been saying how that is an awful lot of money for a football club, for a football club, to be in the red by. And I agree. And, you know, the three of us, if we ever saw 2.4 and a pound sign, there'd definitely be a zero afterwards and it'd be £2.40. So it's a lot of money. But, 
Just take into consideration that Colchester's last balance book, sorry, last balance sheet, had them in the red to the tune of eighteen point two million pounds. Eighteen point two. That's a lot of money as well. You could buy one Sam Hoskins with that. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. To be fair, that probably accounts for some of the stadium that was built. I imagine. Must be something to do with their new stadium, at least some of that money. But then you've got MK Dons, our friendly people, our friendly neighbours from down the M1. Not neighbours. Nine point three million pounds. That's that's what they're in debt by. That was um, paying people to come to watch the games. Is that quite possibly? Are they in debt just to the child catcher though, or is that? Right, I I will say that the caveat here is that I do not know whether these are debts to just the owners of the football clubs or whether it's debts to other creditors. I do not know. Could there be loans as well, possibly? And, And possibly. A lot of the reports, when you actually go into it and look at it, they do say that essentially... You know they are loans. You know they, they, it will it will say in the kind of uh, description before the balance sheet. It will actually say that um, you know the the way that the companies are continuing to trade is through a series of short term and long term loan deals, or as is the case with with their own club with Northampton. You know our owners are basically saying, well, well, we will keep the club going as a going concern. That that is how it how it's working. Yes. We're currently £2.4 million in the red. However, Calvin Thomas, David Bauer are, are more than happy to, to keep putting the money in to keep the club going. There is no issue that the directors of our football club see that is going to actually stop us from you know, trading or anything like that. So when you kind of look at the other clubs in this league, there's 14 out of the 24 sides in League 2 this season, are all in the red. All of them are in the red. 14 out of 24. And you've got some big numbers in there. We said Colchester, MK. Was the Colchester one? Sorry, was the Colchester one 18 million? 18.2. Yes, Neil. That's ridiculous. Like I say, it must be something to do with their stadium as well. well. I mean, how long have they been in that stadium now, though? They've been here a fair few years. Have they? Could be paying it back, couldn't it? They've been, yeah, they've been in there a few years. Well, how, much did, it, how much did it cost? <laughs> well, clearly a lot of money. That's a ridiculous figure. 18 million. Now, the other caveat to put here is that that is for 2017, so the year ending 2017. So there's only... I think I'm right in saying there's seven clubs in League Two, so seven out of the 24 that have released their 2018 accounts so far. Now, it all depends. So our accounts go up until the end of June last year, so 2018, and they're now being released through Companies House, which is where I've got all of this information from on all the other football clubs in League Two. It's all come from the company's house website. When you actually look at look at our amount of debt in comparison to the rest of the league, we're actually pretty much slap bang in the middle. You know, yes, you've got clubs like Colchester, MK, Oldham 09, 9.1. Um, who else have we got here? Notts County. At the end of 2017... Six point two million pound owed. I mean, Oldham have got they've got that new stand, haven't they? So they do. Yeah, you, you maybe link it to that. Colchester. I'm I'm obsessed with that Colchester figure, by the way. The uh, the ground for Colchester was fourteen million pounds, by the way. Yeah, and it was what the... opened in two thousand and eight, wasn't it? Mm. So I mean, what nine years later, and they're still eighteen million quid in debt. The question is, is who are they in debt to? Because if they're in debt to their owners and it's the same owner that they've had since the stadium was built, yeah. then you know, then then the owner's obviously quite happy to, you know, be in that position. And and football is a is a completely different kettle of fish to any other business. Yeah, it is. You're right. Whether that's right or wrong. 
you're right. It's just those those figures are to, to, to every you know for for us and for Joe Public, if you will. Then those are those are big figures, aren't they? It's interesting though, isn't it? Because what what was ours? Two point four million. Mm-hmm. And what was what was it that Exeter said the other week that they they were that the football club owed the football trust? Was it eight hundred and fifty grand or something? I think wasn't it? So yeah. It, it's obviously a pretty common thing for whoever owns the club. In theory, if you own a football club and you're putting money into the football club, then you're, you're then going to be owed money, right? Well, that's it. That's exactly it. I mean, there must be some clubs that aren't in debt, right? Yep, you've actually got, and I'll be honest, this is a little bit surprising. So, the club in League 2 this season, with the most amount of money in their bank balance or in their balance sheet... Is Morecambe. Morecambe? They've got they've got four million quid, Neil. Well, why aren't they spending it? <laughs> no idea. Did Jeremy Corbyn give them that last week? <laughs> <laughs> Morecambe's accountant, that is for twenty eighteen. So that's the most up to date that it can possibly be. Four well million done. quid in their balance sheet. So well done to Morecambe. Well done, Morecambe. Um also uh, I mean essentially the next the next club who's got the healthiest balance sheet is Lincoln City, who, to be fair, if you think about it, makes complete sense with their cup run and everything that they've yeah. you know, done over the last few years. Um, however, I will say that so their balance sheet shows that they are £2 million in the black, but that is down from £2.5 million, million in 2017. They, they built that big uh, new training ground as well, didn't they, with yeah. the cup run money? So. Did Morecambe have a couple of cup runs? I don't know, not to the extent that Lincoln did. Remember, no. No. Well, that's interesting, that, isn't it? I wonder what's going on there. I think maybe they just, they don't splash out much, do they? they just run to a very strict regime, there, yeah. yeah. We bring this back to the cobblers very, very quickly. My thing, when I looked at it, was actually, it's a case of nothing really to see here. We know that, you know, Things have happened. We got relegated. You're going to lose money if you get relegated. That's what happens. So I'm not surprised by it, to be honest. No, there was the, the Chinese investment that went wrong as well, wasn't there? And I think there's coupled with the relegation. You, you, you expect them to be some sort of financial um, things going on. And it, I mean, compared to, when, to some of the other teams in the league, it doesn't look like we've done hugely bad things and Sort of, it hasn't gone completely wrong, and I don't know too much about this kind of thing, so probably not speaking with the most authority that I can with it. But I, I think relegation with the Chinese investment that didn't happen, or for whatever reason failed, or things like that. I don't, I don't think there's anything to to make a massive deal about at this point until we know anything more. Yeah, I'm similar to you, Danny. I don't know enough about it on on the face of it. Two point four million pounds in debt worries me, but. Equally, I, I can kind of, you can kind of understand it. You know, we've we obviously spent out a fair bit. How much did it say that that report said we spent on on players? Was it about just under four hundred thousand? Was it? Yes, three hundred seventy-five thousand. I think it said. And obviously, then there's, there's there's wages for those players and stuff. And we went through that period, didn't we, where we were spending money on players and getting people in on three-year deals and stuff. And then that all had to be sort of reeled back in and stuff so i guess that's where it comes from um we were paying off managers as well left right and center, yeah we? yeah good point so i think yeah it's just something to keep an eye on isn't it it's not it's not a major concern i guess but it is i don't know it's something to be aware of i i, I just think i don't know i mean we've been in that situation before haven't we with with um old dickhead what's his name uh in that situation before with uh, David Cardoso, haven't we? W- weren't we? Weren't we in debt to him to the tune of around six million? Yes, I believe that's right. Six million sounds about right, doesn't it, Danny? Yes, yeah, I, I think it's around about the right number. I have no idea, but yeah, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Well, look, we did get a statement from the football club because that's the way that we roll. Um, Northampton Town Chief Executive James Whiting said, the year ended 2018 financial results cover a relegation relegation season. 
The challenges we faced in that season meant there was a significant increase in costs associated with the playing department. The losses were funded through the financial support of the parent company, Northampton Town Ventures Limited, and the directors of the club. As referred to in note two of the 2018 financial statements, the club continues to have the ongoing financial support of the parent company and the directors, and therefore the club has been and will continue to be adequately funded and meet its financial commitments. The financial results, the financial results represent a period. Bless you. The financial results represent a period that finished nine months ago, June 2018, and since then measures have been taken to bring the finances more in line with income while still maintaining a very competitive playing budget. With the progress we have made in the last few months at both first team and academy level, we are both encouraged and excited about the future of the club both on and off the pitch, and we thank supporters for their ongoing support. I'm Chris Freestone, and it's all cobblers to me. We'll move on to the other exciting news, which was that four more youth players have been offered professional contracts. We've got the likes of uh, Bradley Lashley, Ryan Hughes, Jack Newell and Scott Pollock all joining Jay Williams, Cameron McWilliams and Morgan Roberts, who obviously signed their deals around about Christmas time, I think it was, or just after. Some really good positive news coming out of the club this week. Yeah, it's great news for the for the kids, isn't it? We, we've we had such a good season with the with the youth team, um, making the progress that they've made, and so many faces coming into the first team. And you know, we'll probably talk about it later with with the latest with Ryan Hughes coming in um, to play his first game on Saturday. Um, such a good sort of group, I think, coming through, which is great to see. Um, I, did, I did quite enjoy Keith Cole sort of throwing his comments in this week's, and it's quite. Kind of teacher-like, isn't he? When he talks about it, isn't it's, it's kind of like the, the, this is the first step, and the next step is them sort of earning the next contract. After this, is more focused on what they're going to do over the next couple of years. And it's the funny, the, the thing I found funny about his comments were he didn't he he has these things called badges, which he, I don't know if you saw this, but he that he uh, that he that he sees as pro footballers was what they have, like they they have these badges of of what they what they bring to games and he doesn't want to see so he doesn't want to see any fake toilet bags he doesn't want to see any bose headphones as he calls them and he doesn't want to see any luminous 300 pound trainers um i don't know if either of you have got any of them but that that's the sort of badges that keith cole doesn't want to see in these, in these youth players and uh it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if any of them turn up with them any of you got them i i can confirm i have mm. none of those things danny and I've got some Bose headphones. I'm a bit worried about Keith um, admonishing me in the stands on Saturday. <laughs> um, just saying, it's telling me to get out. I've got a pair of Sony headphones, but yeah. I no. think they're all right. Oh, you think as long as they're not Bose? Or he specified actual, Bose, Bose headphones. Headphone. I mean, other, head, other headphones are obviously available. And, um, and apparently allowed. specified them. <laughs> yeah, if you walk in with a, with a Walkman, I think you'll be all right. So essentially what Keith wants is a team of Harry Maguires, is that right? Was it Harry Maguire that turned up to England training with a, a, a black plastic sack with all his kit? It was. It was. <laughs> and it was incredible. Yeah. It was a bin bag, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did say some of the players in the first team squad do have those items as well. So I can quite Ash Taylor's definitely got a little man bag, hasn't he? Absolutely. Yeah, the toilet bag. Of course yeah. he has. Yeah. I think Junior Marias has definitely got some Bose headphones. <laughs> he strikes me more as a Beats man Beats by Dre I reckon he's probably got some luminous 300 pound trainers as well oh yes uh, talking don't of, we all have those no no we don't Charles I spend 25 pounds 30 pounds maybe at a push if I'm feeling flush um, I'd imagine it, I, it, what he's saying is he wants he doesn't want, I guess he doesn't want the youth players to to get carried away I guess and become big time if you will um think they've made it already. yeah exactly mm. yeah um which is i think it's a good thing right keep them grounded and stuff and actually from the from the few interviews that we've had this season so far from you know a couple of the youth players they come across really well don't they um jay williams especially i think comes across well um quite mature doesn't he that that's the way he comes across in his interviews a very level-headed mature fella yeah 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 absolutely um but who knows he may have some bosey headphones how are we saying it bosey 
It's Bose. I don't that's know where how, Bose has um, come from. That's, uh, yeah, I think that's how Keith Cole pronounced it, Bose. I think we should have like the last game of the season. We all turn up with the headphones and the toilet bag and some Illumina trainers as yes. a tribute to. <laughs> um, Charles doesn't pay us enough for that. That's true. Maybe if people bought some mugs. Yes. Yes, some more merchandise. On that as well, the um, knowing when he was talking about headphones, I do wonder why he specified headphones because when he was doing the interviews, there was someone playing Muse and the Red Hot Chili Peppers really loudly in the next door room. Well, so I think we know I that was John why. Joe, don't we? <laughs> is, it, well, is the next door room the changing room next door to his office? Yeah, it's it is. Room, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely John Joe. Definitely John Joe, just on his own in there. I'm Chris Hargreaves, and it's all cobblers to me. Right, so the last little bit of news is that on the day that last week's podcast was released, it was announced that the club historian Frank Grand very sadly passed away. Frank spent nearly 40 years writing many books on the Cobblers and contributing to the Matchday programme as well. We just wanted to say thank you to Frank for all that he has done for the club and our fellow Cobblers fans and pass on our condolences to his family and friends as well. Frank's funeral will take place at Northampton Crematorium at 2.45 on Friday the 5th of April and that will be followed by the wake at the stadium. So, very sad news, obviously, and we just wanted to say thank you, didn't we, boys? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think you said everything with with what you read out there, Charles. It's um, it's a real shame and a stalwart a stalwart of of cobblers. Um, yeah, so it's it's real sad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we I think the thing we might have cut the bit out that we mentioned him last week, but he just won the um, the um, EFL F- uh, Sport of the Year award, didn't he? And it shows kind of some recognition towards him. Um, really, really sad because he's, he's, he has spent so much, so long writing consistently about the cobblers and bringing out stats and sort of contributing to it. And he never really seems like the type of person who's going to self-promote himself and so do it for his own kind of self-worth or anything. He, he kind of did everything he, he did was for the club and for the fans of the Cobblers. So um, really, really sad loss. And yeah, definitely sort of passing on our condolences to his family and friends right now. Definitely. So yeah, thank you very much to Frank Grand, who sadly passed away last week. Ball pass by Foley, and in possession of Dawson. Dawson crossing into the back post, and that's 1-0. Barnett picks up, chance for 2-0, Thank big shot of handball, and it's a penalty, I think, given yeah, for the yeah. challenge yeah. by Hughes, the yeah. new boy on Barnett. Barnett will try and make it 2-0, right-footed, into the it goes. As he's corner into the back post, and into the back of the net. And Tyrone Barnett makes it 3-0. Bodic is now going to take it right-footed. And he goes for goal. It's a decent strike. Oh, and it's in the net. And Dean Bodic has got a consolation goal back here for the Cobbers. Tim Oglethorpe sounding as surprised as everybody else when Dean Bodic scored that goal there. <laughs> I think, uh, who was the co-commentator? Was it um, Pete? Pete Walton, yeah, I think he so. He got a bit excited seeing as that was a 94th minute goal, didn't he? <laughs> he was dreaming, <laughs> dreaming of the comeback. To be fair, when we went 3-0 down, literally within like two minutes, they were both talking, this is Tim Oglethorpe and Peter Walton, both talking about how if we can just get a goal in the next two minutes, we could equalise at some point during this game and get away with the draw. He was still dreaming in the 94th minute. It was incredible. Before the game, actually, was where most of the news came from, really, wasn't it? With with the announcement of the side. most of You could say, Charles, most of the news was about Ryan Hughes. And Aaron Pierre? Uh, yeah, that didn't rhyme, though. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Aaron Pierre, they kept that quiet, didn't they? Very quiet. Uh, and, and, and that is one thing, actually, that... I, I would like to ask you two is whether you think that that was the right decision, uh, keeping that quiet. I, I, I mean, it's up to them what they do, right? Um, oh, very on the phone. Well, <laughs> I don't think it really matters that much, does it? I mean, I, 
I guess the theory, and the, I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd have to ask Keith Kerr why they keep it quiet, but I guess the theory and the thought process behind it is to keep the opposition guessing a little bit and stuff, I, I presume. Um, but I mean, it didn't work, did it? Well, not being funny, you think think of it this way. If it's a striker, then I kind of understand it a bit more because, or a winger, so an attacking player. I, I, I then sort of think, well, you're then making the, the the other team hopefully, you know, plan to you know play against that particular style of player, and then then they don't play. When it's a defender, you think about it this way: Aaron Pierre is probably our strongest defender in terms of actual physical presence. I would say on the pitch, he's 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 quite a unit, isn't he? old Aaron and he's a big boy yeah and so therefore what do you think an opposition would do well if we're coming up against a big boy in defense we need to go with a big man in attack so cue Tyron Barnett that then basically just walks all over the stick thin sorry Ryan but you look quite weak on (laughs) and some of those well I think the only way I think the only way to solve that is is for you and Ryan Hughes to have an arm wrestle, Charles. That's absolutely fine. No problem <laughs> with that, Ryan. We up for that. We'll get the club to organise it. Like when Sammy Hoskins went out on a, a dinner date, you and Ryan Hughes can have an arm wrestle. What What happens if I win, Neil? The loser, the loser plays centre back against Port Vale. <laughs> the loser has to partner Ash Taylor. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> On a dinner date. <laughs> you were right, though. It did look a little bit, and I don't really like this phrase, actually, but he did look, did look a little bit like, uh, you know, a man against a boy, didn't he? A little bit. I'm still struggling to think how Keith Cole smuggled Aaron Pierre over to Bermuda in the first place. But has he got some sort of kidnapper who's, who's just, like, snuck him into a car and got him off to Bermuda without anyone knowing? Oh, Colin West. That's what he's there for. <laughs> it's Colin West. <laughs> it, it just for me when, especially when earlier in the week it was announced that Morgan Roberts had been called up to the Wales under twenty one squad. There was quite a lot of you know quite a lot made of that, and and rightly so. You know, it should be something to you know celebrate that you get a player you know being called up to their national team. We're a League Two club. Getting anybody playing any international football should be a really, really positive thing. And therefore, I kind of, I question why we weren't told about Aaron Pierre being called up, you know, right at the beginning of the week last week. Um, because, you know, he wasn't called up on the Friday. Yeah, no, you're, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Charles, here, I think. I think it, it does kind of throw things a little bit when you especially for the people who go to Cheltenham and suddenly Aaron Pierre's not on the team sheet and they have to Google it and go on Twitter to find out where he is and things like that. And you suddenly find out it's, it's a fairly straightforward explanation that he's with Bermuda, he's not injured, he's, he's, he's gone to play for his country. And I, I think at Seychelles it should be a, a sort of celebration in the leading up to the game. And I think it would we have needed one more player on international duty to actually call the game off? Maybe so maybe we'll wait for someone else to get called Yeah, because they're... Timmy Max Elsnick got called up as well for Slovenia, didn't they? Slovenia. Yeah. So if um, if suddenly Southgate got on the phone to Sam Hoskins and said, "You know, we need you to do a job," that game would have what been off. What job would they want? What job would the England, the England national team, want Sam Hoskins to do? Selling some burgers. Um, dodgy electrics in the changing room. Fair point. Yeah. Fair point. <laughs> yeah. When you were, I was worried you were suggesting he'd be in the squad, but. Potentially mascot, um, team yeah. mascot. <laughs> Stood with Raheem Sterling, he'd still look like a boy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Let's actually move on and talk about the game. Come on, what did do we, we actually to? make? Yeah, very uh, do we have- on, um, quickly on on Hughes. I don't think you can blame him too much for it. He's, he's been thrown in um, to the deep end, hasn't he? A bit. And I think somebody on Twitter mentioned that it was probably more a, a sign of what Keith Cole thinks about Shay Facey. Than anything else, because the illogical thing would be to put Shea Facey in a right back, put Charlie Goode in centre back. So it doesn't suddenly throw in a 16 year old. And for his debut at centre back, says a lot more about Shea Facey, I think, and his plans for him uh, than it does about Hughes. And I think Hughes just did as much as he could. He, he, he centre back such a massive position to play on your on your debut as a youngster that he, I don't think he could have done too much more. He's, he's made a couple of mistakes, but. He's going to have to learn from him. And uh, I think even on. the mistakes he made were, you know, 
caused by other players almost. Um, yeah, it was Foley made a big mistake yeah. in the first goal. Yeah, and I think you, you it was Charlie Good who really, you know, forced the penalty to be given away. I think it was his header back across goal in the penalty area. We just we haven't dealt with either goal very well at all, have we? Either the first two goals. No, and I think there's definitely some blame that lays at Ash Taylor's door as well for for the performance on Saturday and the season as a whole. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, well, yeah, there wasn't really much else to to say about that game, really, was there? But I mean, the one question that comes from it is: is that dream over? Yes. Um, is the dream over? Well, Big Keith doesn't think so, does he? He's, he's come right out and said it. He, he, he wasn't bothered by the defeat, really, was he? He, kind of, he didn't want to talk about it, but he's like, oh, that's all right, we, we kind of planned for these last eight games to win six, draw one and lose one, and that's our loss. So he's, he's still up for it, Big Keith, and as long as he's up for it, I'm up for it as well. <laughs> BDK has confused me here, because when we were starting to talk about the playoffs, and when we, you know, we won those, was it four in a row we won? Yeah. And when there was briefly discussions about it, he, he didn't mention it at all. He said, no, we just take each game as it comes. As soon as we've lost one and it looks like the dream's dead, <laughs> no, we're going for the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, he's well up for it. But uh, yeah, I think the, the dream is done. Look, let, let, We're not going to win six out of seven games, are we? So it's, it's just not going to happen um, as much as we'd like it to. And actually, I think it's a good time and it's a good chance for us to, to properly give these youngsters some game time now. No, I agree. I, I do. I, I think that it's a it's a good idea to start, you know, blooding these youngsters a little bit. Just just get them in, you know, the team. Get let, let let Scott Pollock have a, you know, have another go. But maybe actually play him in the attacking midfield berth rather than in central midfield where he had to play against Cambridge. Yeah, um, yeah, agreed. You know, and and just just give him a chance. I think if you're going to play play him, you've got to as a fan base, we've got to be really kind of going into the games thinking this is what they're for. We're not going to be going and start shouting and moaning and sort of ranting or after the game and stuff. If we're going to demand or call for these young players to play, we've got to be realistic in the fact they're going to make mistakes and there's going to be passes go astray. There's going to be defensive errors. There's going to be all these things like this. Um, that, that That's going to happen. And we've just got to be realistic about it, I think. And, and I don't think that will happen until it's mathematically impossible for us to make the playoffs because while there is a percentage of the fan base that would appreciate you know we're not going to make the playoffs and you can see that they're blooding some youngsters and stuff there's still a large percentage that would be furious if we lost 4-0 and we'd we'd played you know three or four youngsters in the team and so I think I think Keith would protect himself and the team a little bit and keep with the majority of the normal team until it's until there's definitely definitely nothing to play for Hello, I'm the voice of Gaviscon, Max Rushton, and it's all cobblers to me. Earlier this week, we were contacted by Ian Thompson, who informed us that on the 19th of March, the cobblers' record goalscorer, Jack English, would have been 96 years old. Ian says that Jack English should be included into our Hall of Fame, and in tribute to Frank Grand, we shall now gladly oblige. Jack English Jr. was the son of Jack English, the cobblers' manager of the 1930s. Players of that era said that Jack Jr. often attended training sessions with his father and got involved even though he was under the age of 10. During World War II, he joined the Air Force and stationed at Bristol, where he was working in a workshop when he was called away. At that stage, the German Air Force turned the building he was working into into rubble. National Service then took him around the world, and while in India, he turned out for Delhi, helping him win the Indian Cup final. No medals were made and instead all players received certificates. Amazingly, a lot of the players played in bare feet and they kicked harder. Jack made a few appearances for Bristol City during the war and joined the Cobblers when fighting ended. After two seasons, he decided that it was not working out. He was released on a free transfer and despite interest from Bristol City, Coventry City and Walsall, Jack decided to re-sign for the Cobblers on a part-time basis while he became manager of Brooks Clothing Manufacturers. Whilst playing on the right wing, he formed a great partnership with outside left Tommy Fowler. Flash made the goals and Jack was always in the right place at the right time to score. The local newspaper used the same typeset over and over again. English scores from a Fowler cross. Jack still holds the record of 135 league goals and another eight in the FA Cup for the club. He also scored a five-minute hat-trick for Southend, since beaten by Neil Grayson, who netted three goals for Hartlepool in four minutes. Jack was also one of the few Cobblers players to score five goals in a game. 
Jack made a total of 321 appearances for the Cobblers, scoring 143 goals. Many thanks to Ethan Grand of Cobblers Pass for providing the stats and facts on Jack English for us. You can see more from Ethan on Twitter, at Cobblers Past, and on the website, cobblerspast.com. Um, thank you very much, Danny. We might make that a regular thing next season. So if you'd like us to sort of do a, a past player, and I, we mean a proper look back in time at some players that donned the claret and white, um, then, then let us know. Give us a tweet, send us a Facebook message, send us an email. Let us know who you'd like us to induct into our Hall of Fame and uh, and who you'd like to hear about. That would be great. If you've got any memories of, of Jack, then please do get in touch via all the usual channels as well. Uh, let's have a look at what else you've been sending to us on Twitter, Facebook and email. It's postbag time. Postman, Neil, Postman, Neil, Postman, Neil, his black and white cat. Excellent. This week we've got a couple of little different views on the post bag. So we've got a couple of ones just on what a couple of fans want for the rest of the season. And then we've got uh, some more sort of uh, comedy related ones, shall we say. Uh, so we'll start with what a few fans have contacted us and said they're, they're looking for in the rest of the season. The first one is uh, Phil Andrews got in touch on Facebook. Uh, he sent a, a nice long message. Um, the gist of it is there's, there's two key takeaways. One is that he he wants us to still go for it and, and he feels that, you know, there's always a late run from a team and he hopes that and thinks that should be us. Uh, and the second takeaway from Phil's post is that it's a great show and he loves it. And he usually listens on a Sunday morning, a Saturday morning, sorry, as part of his daily football routine. Which is nice, isn't it? Nice. So he's in the uh, he's in the big Keith camp of he's still fighting for this title. But he, I mean, calling it a title is a stretch. But yeah, he. <laughs> I was just trying to channel Kevin Keegan. <laughs> so yeah, he he's definitely on the big Keith wave, shall we say? We've also got one from Richard Watson, uh, which I believe was on Facebook as well. Um, his is a more pragmatic approach. Uh, finish in the top half of the table, play every game with determination to get a result and give every squad member a chance to win a contract for next season. It's a very uh, pragmatic way of looking at it, isn't it? I think. Um, I don't actually think Keith's going to do that, to be honest. I think he already knows who he wants at the club next year. Um, I think it's going to be all the usual so all the usual suspects that will still be here next season um, might have one or two that that leave either either because someone's stupid enough to pay money for them or or simply because they decide that they don't want to be here anymore. It's absolutely fine. Maybe maybe someone will want to go and I don't know play in Scotland or somewhere. Oh, um, can we just promote the wonders of Shay Facey, please, and just so we can get some interest drummed up? Uh, I, I think we're going to struggle. Yeah. But you never know. He did play for Man City and New York City, so that's gonna on a CV. That's a good thing to have on a CV, isn't it? So he's very good at hoofing it without looking. Yes, yes, he is, and he's got a good sized forehead. Maybe, um, maybe Morecambe can put in a bid for four million. Oh yeah, Morecambe. If you want to get rid of some of that money, show faces there. Come and get him. Or you know, if Morecambe have got a bit of money knocking around, we've got some merchandise. Yeah. We do. Good point, Neil. Thank you. Uh, why not use it? And on the subject of merchandise, we also asked on Twitter this week um, for people's suggestions for Cobbler's merchandise. Uh, and we, we set the tone. Uh, we, we had a couple of suggestions, which were from you, Danny, um, which got the ball rolling. We had a John Joe O'Toole box, which was good. And an Ash Taylor ashtray. I was enthusiastic about those ideas. Not quite. As but I'm assuming, uh, there's uh, definitely better out there, isn't there? I'm assuming that our listeners have come up trumps with their suggestions. They have. I was suitably impressed with your ones when we first started discussing it. Uh, and I've been since less impressed with your ones, Danny, because people have, have far and away trumped you. Well, let, so let's, we'll start. Uh, let's put it to the test, shall we? Let's dive into it. So we've got Mike Fuller on Twitter. Um, he suggests the Adam Smith book on dating. <laughs> Best seller. Which I like. Is that is that a worldwide edition or? Um, I think it's specific to Asia. <laughs> um, 
but we're, allegedly, we're allegedly. allegedly, allegedly, no, there's no, alleged, <laughs> there's no allegedly about it, Danny. We've seen the video. Have you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course I have. Move on. <laughs> right, we'll Board move on. Up. Mike Fuller. <laughs> you Mike, can I just Mike. um? Can we mention Mike's other bit about the James Collins portable toilet? I like that. Yes, I was going to say Mike also suggested uh, a James Collins portable toilet kit, perfect for when you are caught short at festivals and events. <laughs> like it, which I liked. Um, we have got uh, Mark Weber from the BBC Cobblers show. The Mark Weber. Uh, the Mark Weber, lovely guy, uh, and he suggested the Lego East Stand set. I liked it. Obvious, but good. <laughs> uh, we've got Andy, Andy on Twitter, um, or, or his, his Twitter handle. He, he calls himself Stig. So potentially, this is uh, Stig from Top Gear. Suggests uh, Xander diamond ring. We that could be one of the more expensive items. Yeah, he also suggests another one, um, which is is it's along the ring theme. And he uses George Cox. So um, that's another option. That's that's maybe a budget version. (laughs) Budget, yes. Yeah. Uh, Marco Clark on Twitter, a a Jimmy Floyd piggy bank, which I liked. (laughs) Nice. Like that. Good one. That's, that's, that works in a couple of ways, doesn't it? So that's a nice one. Um, We have got uh, Matt on Twitter, the Danny brothers range of Hoskins related merch. Now, in fairness, yeah. if you watch this space, then there might be some of that coming out in the next few weeks. There's, uh, we, we've got another another one from Matt. Uh, no, I'm, I'm moving <laughs> on, uh, Charles. Um, <laughs> there's another one from Matt uh, who suggests John Windowframe. Uh, difficult to pull off, I think, in terms of merchandise. But <laughs> is he? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're, not, we're not safe style UK we're just a, a podcast <laughs> just a podcast trying to make make some you know money to get stuff for the podcast and Big, you know I'm, I'm going to move us on again to uh, see order 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 um, next one we've got um, this is from Shaggy uh, it wasn't him but it was him actually um, it was him uh, so we've got uh, David Cardosa Money safe box. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've got a a couple of shouts for jigsaws. Uh, Steve, Steve says uh, the Keith curl jigsaw. You start with the same amount of pieces, but each time you can try to arrange them into whatever order you like. Sometimes the pieces go together. Sometimes they don't. Is this a bit like a Rubik's cube, but flat? Uh, I mean, that's a jigsaw, isn't it? Move on. Yep. <laughs> uh, so James James on Twitter suggests uh, a couple of Sammy Hoskins related ones. Uh, a Sammy Hoskins Wonder Goal book. Oh. It'd be a very short. To be fair, book. it's doable. It's definitely doable. You know, obviously the goal he scored at Tramway. I'm picturing that as well. You know, one of those books that you can flick through like, <laughs> really quickly and it just shows him scoring that goal at Tramway. No, you might be onto something there. Yeah. Because you could do that, you could bring out, and you could bring out, you know, you could have one for the John Frame free kick at Wembley. This is really good. Do we know an artist? Let's get someone to make them. Um, uh, what about um, Daniel Hardman? What about, oh, yes, I see what you mean now. Yes, sorry. I wondered where you were going with that, yeah. but yes. Yeah. Do- Just down a down a rabbit hole as usual, Charles. A shout from Gary. Hi, Gary. Um a loaf of Ash Taylor bread. And then he follows it up nicely with slice after slice after slice. Nice. It's really good. I enjoyed like that. that. I, I was probably on board with Gary's suggestion, but then he suggested um, uh, a Sam Hoskins one, didn't he? Saying um, the Sam did, Hoskins Danny. jigsaw that completely breaks the pieces in the box. And I think I want to put <laughs> forward a little motion to say that Gary should be banned for that comment. A couple of shouts from Tim. So we've got, I quite enjoyed this one. Eon Indigestion Relief. Nice. Phil on Twitter suggests a Ray Warburton razor. Oh, that's good. I like that. I like that. Very good. I'm still quite impressed. Well, you know, I'm I'm still holding out for the uh, Derek as a lawnmower. 
That's good. And uh, a Marco Gabbiadini. Oh, I'm a big fan of Marco Gabbiadini. Me too. <laughs> um, there's a couple more that I've I've just I've just stumbled across, Ooh. and uh, there's some good ones. Careful. Here. Are you okay? Any bruises? I'm I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm good. I've had a few drinks. So I'm all right, Charles. Have you had a triple um, fall in the last six months? It wasn't your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I've had numerous, but I think they were all my fault. <laughs> uh, we've got Terry Angus beef burgers. I like it. Yeah. Can that be uh, sold by Tony Ansel? I mean, there's no beef in Tony Ansel burgers. Um, <laughs> allegedly. S- allegedly. Uh, Steve Phillips television. Oh, yeah, nice! Yes, yeah, see what he's done there. Took me a moment, but got there. There's definitely a theme. These, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you know who all these were from at the end. These are all from the same person. Uh, Terry Branston pickle. One of my personal favourites, Fanny Walden cream, <laughs> which is nice. I mean, I, I, like don't, that. I don't know how you make Walden cream. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, a Jack English breakfast. Oh, that's a good one. I was going to suggest a Jack English mustard. Oh no, a Jack English breakfast. That's the, the club. If 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 once, if by some miracle, when the East End is developed and we've got some form of restaurant stroke cafe, then a Jack English breakfast has to be on there. Ooh. And um, if we um, if we happen to host the opening of it, we could um, sort of combine Jack English with celebration and uh, call it an Jack elation. We could, we could, Danny. Yeah, yeah, we could. Um, I guess that links into the Fanny Walden cream, doesn't it? In in some way. Um, Michael Jacobs crackers, an obvious one there. Um, they're all from Jonathan Hillier on Twitter. So thank you for those, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Final one we'll end on is from Tim on Twitter, which is David Bathroom Sealant. Beautiful. Very good. Very good. Very good. So some good shouts there. Um, thanks very much for those. I think, I think, unfortunately for you, Danny, if I'm going to pick a winner, I'm going to go with Marco Gabbiadinghi. That's it from the post bag. Thanks very much for your contributions. As always, we will have another question out next week and we will be discussing all things that you send to us that's not nasty. Right. This Saturday, we play Port Vale. We're at home. We should win. But Neil doesn't like Port Vale, so I didn't write an intro for it. Let's listen to this guy from Port Vale Supporters Trust. Hi, uh, I'm Mark Porter. I'm the chair of Port Vale Supporters Club. And here is a bit of a rundown, a bit of things that have been going on all about Port Vale. The season we've had so far, we've not been brilliant. It's been a very poor season. We've been in the bottom five or six for a while. Uh, We have had a couple of wins and we've managed to pull away from that. Uh, it's been a very turbulent season on and off the pitch. We had a manager change at the end of January. Our former player, who was an incredible player for us, Neil Aspin, uh, left the club uh, 24 hours before the deadline transfer day uh, finished. And he was replaced by John Askey. John Askey used to be the manager of Macclesfield, got them promoted to the Football League, uh, then went to Shrewsbury Town. Unfortunately, that didn't um, work out for him. But, um, you know, he's come to Port Vale. Um, He comes from the area. His dad played for Port Vale and he's a Port Vale supporter. So, you know, he's managed to turn things around a bit. Um, And we did pull away. I think we need a couple more wins and then we'll be away from the bottom two. Um, Off the pitch, been a very turbulent year. The fans and the owner have, have got disagreements and there have been protests. Uh, the owner announced last weekend that he would be putting no more money in after May and the end of the season and the club could then face administration. Uh, it's been well documented in the news. There are a couple of bids been un- involved to try and buy Port Vale already this season. So the fans wait with bated breath to see where we're going to go, who's going to come in and, and take us over. Uh, I think we need two wins to guarantee survival this season and I think then if we do guarantee survival uh, all eyes will be on who will be our new owners next year where the club will go and uh, what will happen off the field on the pitch we've had some good individual performances this season even though our position in the league probably suggests not Uh, David Worrell who's come back in since the new managers come in 
um, down the right. He's done really well for me. Uh, great player. Used to be at Millwall. Good on the ball. Integral part of why we've turned around, really. We've got good professional players like uh, Leg at the back, Leon Leg and um, Nathan Smith. Manny Oleke, who came in from Aldershot last season, he's had a good season. He's been blighted, really, with injury, but he's had a good season for us. He's, he's, he's been solid. Conlon and Joyce in the middle, they've managed to strike up a good partnership in midfield. Uh, we've obviously got Tom Pope, who's a Vale fan and a you know, record goal scorer at the club, but he is searching for his 100th goal. He's been injured, he's been out for a few weeks. I don't think they want to rush him back. Uh, Ricky Miller stepped up to the plate as he's been out and he's done okay. Uh, but I think if you ask every Vale fan, the player who's had the most impact this season and, and has been our standout player of the year is our goalkeeper, Scott Brown. He was in the Wickham side last year that got promoted. Um, he joined us in the summer and for me without him in goal we would have been struggling even further adrift at the bottom so he's been our standout player and he's a great pro as well um, so that's a little bit about Paul Vale hopefully we'll survive and we'll get new owners in hopefully we can stay from getting relegated and, and finally a prediction from me for the weekend I think it's going to be a 1-1 draw and a good game all round. And of course, our clubs are linked with a couple of players in the past. But, you know, most importantly, we've had Mark Richards, who used to be your striker, and he came back to you. Now he's at Swindon. And Sam Foley used to be a Vale player. And our, our, our kind of ties turned here when Rob Page left as manager and they um, brought in a Bruno Ribeiro from Portugal. I know it didn't work out for Rob Page at Northampton, but he did quite a good job at Paul Vale and we were pushing towards the top half of League One, uh, but that didn't work out And, and when he came to you. So that's a rundown on Paul Vale. Hope you enjoyed that and uh, hope you enjoy the game. Thanks to Mark, who is the Port Vale Supporters Trust chairman. As he said, he's had quite a busy week, I would imagine. Norman Smirthwaite, who is Port Vale's chairman, Great name, that. Um, Great name. Looks exactly how he sounds as well. <laughs> yeah. He went on the radio on Saturday night at six o'clock. So just out, an hour after the game had finished, uh, when they lost 2-0 at home to Forest Green Rovers, and basically told everyone that he was going to put the club into administration on May the 5th if no buyer could be found. I mean, considering that there are buyers sat around the table, it, it looks like it's a bit strange to me. And maybe a similar situation or, well, definitely worse situation than what we face at the moment here. But it's not very good for them, is it? No, it's he's, uh, the little bits I've read about Smurfy, as I think they call him. Um, Papa uh, Smurf. He, he, Papa Smurf, yeah. Um, he, he strikes me as a massive clown. Um I, I, just from the, some of the bits and bobs I've read and stuff, and I mean to come out and say that is ridiculous, isn't it? And and I don't really like Port Vale as a as a club. Um, I just There's don't know what it is about them. You, it'll be no surprise <laughs> to, to you, I know. Uh, I don't particularly like Port Vale, but I do feel for their fans. Um, it's, it's it's not nice when you've got uh, a, a, how can I describe it? A, a bit of a kamikaze chairman. I. Yeah, I'd like to feel sorry for them, but since the Alex Nichols incident, I just haven't liked Port Vale at all. Um, it's probably one of the worst moments of, um, I've had watching football, really watching that sort of tackle on Alex Nichols and seeing it sort of right in front of me and then their fans goading him and when he was going off the pitch in a stretcher and all that. And it's just, it's just left a bit of taste ever since. And it's a shame for some of the fans who who are genuine football fans who are from Port Vale, but I just... It's, it just leaves a real bad taste in the mouth. And I think ever since then, I've just really not liked them at all. And and it's not the first time they've brought kind of um, mocking to them to themselves, is it this season? That's that That's a good statement point. a few a few months ago, didn't they? <laughs> Which they um, <laughs> I forgot about. <laughs> they put on the website after a game. I think they I think Warren had scored a goal against Cheltenham, and they'd um, they've had it disallowed, and then they've come out on the website afterwards listing all of their, <laughs> all of their key decisions that have gone against them during matches during the season, um, and I've got them listed here actually. If you wanted to hear them, uh, I, I'm keen to uh, hear them, Danny. <laughs> 
So they said, so they wrote this letter to the match official administration system, um, or MOAS, <laughs> if you might know them. <laughs> yeah. Match official uh, administration, I have no idea, MOAS. Um, so, that, so they said that several key decisions have gone against the club during matches. This has ranged from penalties awarded against us and penalties wrongfully not awarded in our favour. This is Lincoln awarded a penalty, a penalty claim v Carlisle, a penalty claim v Tranmere, a penalty claim v Berry, a penalty claim v Sunderland, a Pope offside goal against Cambridge. That's Tom Pope, not the uh, Papal. Uh, a Worrell offside goal against Cheltenham, and uh, and then that's that's it. That's all of their grievances aired all at once. Um, it's just they've, they've made themselves a bit of a laughing stock, and I don't really feel that sorry for them. Um, to be honest, that that statement in itself is is shambolic. It's ridiculous. It, that's that's embarrassing. Do you, know, do you know, I've just had a quick look at the Wikipedia page for Norman Smirthwaite. And one of the things that it actually says here, so so he took over the club in 2012. Him and another guy uh, were joint owners. And then the other guy decided to sell his half of the football club to Smirthwaite because he, uh, he, he felt like they were trying to take the club in two different directions. Um, and it then says... And I kid you not, and it's even got a citation here, because I know Wikipedia isn't the most, uh, you know, factful uh, of, of parts of the internet, but it literally says this. The Football League assigned Blackpool chairman Carl Oyston as his mentor. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> also... Um... Also said, um, considering um, about Rob Page, it says he appointed Adams' former assistant, Rob Page, as first team manager in October. He later claimed that he was considering appointing Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, <laughs> but decided against it, partly because he believed that the racist minority of the club supporters would make appointing a black manager a bad idea. <laughs> oh, lovely. There's many, many parts to that that... <laughs> you want to pick apart but we haven't got time for no, no uh, yeah, um, it's probably safest not to <laughs> didn't want to appoint Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank which is fine because he was very good um, but decided against it not because of the standard of his management but because there's a racist minority of clubs fans that would make it a bad idea which I mean, is outrageous it is outrageous and and it's we don't know isn't it? yeah it is and, and actually what you I, I'd completely forgot about that Alex Nichols not the Alex Nichols incident, but I'd completely forgot their fans' reaction. So you're right. I don't feel sorry for them at all. Um, but I'm on board with you, Danny. Um, you know, uh, let's hope he puts him into administration. I mean, the, do you know the, one of the other things that he said? So he set an asking price of £4.25 million pounds for Port Vale. Morecambe can buy him. No, not quite. They'll have to sell Kevin Ellison to help them get over the line. On what basis is, is Port Vale valued at 4.25 million pounds i don't know i mean looking at so so their accounts were so this is for the year year ending 2017 so we're a year over that at the moment but at that point the club was in debt by 1.7 million so i presume that that's potentially to to him is it yeah potentially but what i'm you know but the point is is that 4.25 is a lot more money than 1.7 million yeah and, and, and asset-wise, I mean, they don't have any top-class youngsters that you think, well, they get, that's an asset of a, potentially of, of a million pounds or anything, do they? So, I mean, even Vale Park, I mean, I don't know that they're, I don't know if they own their ground fully or I don't know what the situation is there, but even Vale Park, I mean, it's pretty dilapidated, isn't it? I, I believe that he owns Vale Park as well. But whether that he? would be included in the sale of the club is one of those contentious issues um, that I've read about this week. So I just I just think if if, if Port Vale if, or if he's asking for four point two five million pounds for Port Vale and what was it rumored that that cobblers were up for was it two million? I think that was the rumor that was flying around. Which is I should stress obviously that's just a rumor and lots of rumours turn out not to be true and stuff but so for, for less than half the price you could buy Northampton Town instead of Port Vale and I, I certainly know what I'd be doing if I was looking to buy a football club and it was the choice between the two hmm. I'd buy Port Vale <laughs> <laughs> no I wouldn't <laughs> so yeah so let's actually look ahead to the game then on Saturday um, we've got a referee uh, who is a Mr Neil Hare Lovely, lovely name there. Neil Hare. Already a big fan. 
Can we bribe him with a piece of Neil's hair? <laughs> I'm starting to lose it, so I'm not keen. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Hare has given out 89 yellow cards and six reds uh, over the course of this last season. Um, his last Cobblers game was the one-all uh, away draw with Swindon in October. And his last Vale game came in January, which was at Newport County. And that was a nil-nil draw as well. He does like, however, high-scoring games. He's already overseen Colchester, Colchester's 6-0 win over Crewe, Exeter's 5-1 win over Notts County, and Barnsley's away win at AFC Wimbledon 4-1 in League One earlier on this season. That's all been this season. So maybe... Goals galore at Sixfields. So you're saying he doesn't really like a close shave? <laughs> Terrible. Well, Port Vale are obviously behind us in the league. Um, they are 21st in League 2, 11 points behind the Cobblers. Um, their last few results, uh, they lost last week at home to Forest Green 2-0. We already said that. They, they did, however... Get a draw away at Swindon 0-0, beat Yeovil 3-0, beat Mansfield 2-1, and only drew with Notts County 0-0 though. That's their last five games. So, I mean, not particularly... Uh, a very up and down results in the last five games for Port Vale. Fun fact. Go on, hit us. Port Vale, I was looking through the Port Vale squad. They've got a guy called Dior Angus, who's the son of Terry Angus. He's out on loan at Barrow at the moment. Um, Terry Angus's son playing for Port Vale, but not at the moment. So are you going to give us the fun fact then, Danny? Or um, Yeah, I was just going to say that with Port Vale being 11 points behind us, um, and obviously we're going for the playoffs there, trying to stay up. So obviously a six-pointer. Good. Yes, that is a fun fact. Predictions. Come on, Neil. Fire away with yours first, please. I am going to go... Brace yourselves. Are you sitting down? I am, yes. I am going to go 5-1 Cobblers. 5-1? 5-1 Cobblers. I've never known you to be so optimistic. It's just because of Neil Hare's love for a high-scoring game. <laughs> Neil, Yeah, genuinely, your, your stats about Neil Hare and his high-scoring games have, have, have kind of twisted me to go for a high-scoring victory. Okay, fair enough. And uh, your five goal scorers for the Cobblers. Oh, I've not thought this through, have I? Um, Norman Smirthwaite hat trick from the stand. <laughs> uh, Aaron Pierre, all own goal. Junior Marais. <laughs> um, I will go with Ash Taylor with one. Uh, Charlie Good with one. John Joe O'Toole with one. How many is that? Three. Uh, three, three. So three nil up at the minute. They'll pull one back. Half time. You've got fifteen minutes to think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll go three up. They'll pull one back. Three one. We'll get a bit nervy, and then we'll we'll get a couple towards the end of the second half, and uh, we'll get one from Andy Williams. In fact, we'll get two from Andy Williams. Okay. Okay. So five one. But yeah, that's the prediction, and uh, I've given you five goal scores. So that, yeah, five one. Brilliant. Well, uh, I'm going with a win. I'm definitely going with a win as well. It's going to be... I'm going with high scoring. I'm going 4-0, though. Oh! Yeah, I'm going to go for 4-0. I think that um, goal scorer-wise, Daniel Powell is going to get two. Uh, Shea Facey will get one. And uh, the other one... Will come. Marvin Sordell will get off the mark finally because one day it'll actually happen. Just, just I'm going to stop you for a minute because you've mentioned Marvin Sordell. He's been a disappointment, hasn't he? A little bit. He has. Yeah. He was injured though. To be fair, when he first came, and I think <laughs> he's still probably finding his match fitness. Yeah, I've been disappointed by him, but anyway, yeah, sorry. I've been disappointed with all of them, all of the signings from January, apart from Charlie Goode. Yes, that's a simpler way of describing it. Well done, Danny. Thanks. Prediction, Danny. Come on. So you're three me because I, I didn't know whether you were saying Shea Face was going to score a goal or I was, I did, I was going to be confused by that comment. So um, probably not going to play, but well, that's how bad they are. He'll 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 score. He's just going to score by. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like your thinking. Yeah. Suspect. I'm going to go for a 
simple two nil. Boring. And um, Ash Taylor's going to score an overhead kick. Oh, oh <laughs> it's less boring. There we go. See. <laughs> and Sam Foley, I think, is going to score against his old club from thirty yards. Oh, Sam and, Foley from thirty yards. Yeah. And Keith Carl's going to say that's one. That's one down. <laughs> that's just his post-match interview. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Then he's going to walk off. Drops the mic. That's it for another week of Cobblers-related podcast chatter. Thank you very much for listening. If you've not done so already, please hit subscribe so you get the next show as soon as it's ready. Plus, follow us on Twitter, at cobblers to me and check out the cobblers to me store for T-shirts, phone cases, mugs, you name it. The link's in the description for the store. Thank you to the people who've already bought something from us. All the money goes back into making this very podcast. Thanks to Danny and Neil for joining me again this week. We're all off to buy a set of pom-poms from the Cobblers to Me store. Goodbye. Murphy. Corporate sellout. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.